I would like to publicly affirm Jimmy Pruitt in his new role as lead minister of the Fredericksburg campus of the Oak Hills Church. Jimmy and Annette, you have demonstrated your faithfulness to the cause of Christ in the Oak Hills family. Jimmy, you are rock solid. You bring decades of experience and years of wisdom. You have a deep and abiding faith that will impact the entire Hill Country. You are the man for this job, and I thank God for you. I give you this commission from the book of 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Wow. I've only watched that a thousand and one times. And it gets me every time. When I came here three and a half years ago, um, I was just so enamored and so encouraged and so excited to get to work with somebody like Max Lucado and, of course, Randy Frazee as well. And, you know, I knew them from afar. I, every, every doctor's office I've ever been in, there's a Max Lucado book there. And so I've known him from afar, and I've heard him preach time or two in various places. And, but it's not every day that you get to serve with and partner with somebody who, who really has made an impact on our culture and made an impact on our generation. For you who don't know, he is the most prolific writer in Christendom right now in our generation, and we are blessed. And I told the first service this, but I, I actually kind of did a flipperoo. I said, this is about the second service. I said, we've got to be careful to never take him for granted. So I'm telling you, that's the first service that does that, not you guys. So just so you know. And, I, and I've just been so blessed. I had a conversation with him a while back, and I'd asked him, I said, would you be my coach, and would you be my mentor? And he said, better than that, I'll be your friend. Does that not sound like something Max Lucado would say <laughs> or write? From time to time, I get texts from him, and they're always funny, and we send memes back and forth, and we're just, we like to laugh. We're just laughers. And so it's been such a, an amazing journey. Two years ago, he reached out to me and called me. He said, Jimmy, he said, can you meet me for lunch? I said, well, let me check my schedule. Yes, of course I can meet you for lunch. And uh, so we met for lunch literally two years ago last month. And we sat down and we had this amazing conversation. And he said, I've been praying. I've been seeking the Lord. And he said, I've been asking the Lord for a successor because I feel like the Lord is leading me to, to semi-retire. He said, I'll, I'll never totally retire, but semi-retire, at least from leading the church. And so we've been looking for someone to lead all of Oak Hills. And he said, the Lord revealed to me that I've not called one to succeed you. I've called six. And that is in reference to the various campuses. And he said, Jimmy, he said, Fredericksburg has always been a unique campus in the sense that you guys are not in San Antonio. You're not an urban center church. You're, you're country. You're, you're out in the hill country. He said, and Fredericksburg, as much as any of the campuses, has always had its own 
its own personality and your own context and 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 even you know just various things in the end of that nature and he said so here's my thought he said do you think Fredericksburg is ready to stand on its own as a church now you could have knocked me over with a french fry because I was just like whoa I mean I, the gravity of this of what he was saying was just so immense and I heard myself saying before I could catch the words out of my mouth, when do we start? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever said something and you're like, who said that? Where did that come from? And, and that began the conversations two years ago of what is culminating in September of this year where Oak Hills Church, Frederick, Fredericksburg, and Journey Church, Journey Fellowship over in the Shirts Selma area, will be standalone independent churches. And it's an amazing journey, and it has been intense, and it has been laborious and exciting and fearful and scary and exciting and joyful and fearful. Did I say fearful? Did I say scary? It's all of the, all of the above. And that is the place where we find ourselves two months out, just a little over two months out from taking that step. And really the beauty of it with our church is that it's really a natural step. And it's not even a step. It's just been an organic process. So it's not like we're leaping out or jumping out of a plane or off a cliff, praise God. It's literally as though we're just continuing the journey. And so after that conversation, many, many, many conversations and meetings and meetings and meetings began to happen because when they originally became a multi-site church with, at that time, seven campuses total, that includes Crown Ridge as a campus, they never dreamed that someday God would call them to untangle what they had built. And of course, our conversations revolved around, well, if we knew we were going to untangle this, we probably would have built different. But we didn't know. And if you've ever cast a bait cast, open face, bait cast reel, and hung a tree on a full cast, I'm talking to a handful of dudes right here. What's it called? Bird's nest. And it takes three hours and 59 minutes to untangle one of those things. Well, when you have a bird's nest of seven campuses together who never thought they would dislocate, dislodge, and become independent churches, what you find is that it takes a lot of untangling. And it's a complicated issue. And like we said at the beginning of our family series, it's complicated. So we're in that process. We've been in that process for two years and on that journey. And again, exciting and fearful, fearful and exciting, all of the above. And there's been a lot of staff changes and, and um, rearranging the chairs on the deck and, and it just a lot of movement and chaos and excitement. And so here we are coming up to this place where in two months and eight days, we'll be taking that next step. And I have to say, I believe Journey Fellowship and Fredericksburg campuses are ready to take the step and we're ready to go. So I wanna unpack some things for you in regards to what we're calling the Harvest Vision because that was the initial conversation of what started this whole thing where the Lord gave to Max and he sat down with all of us as campus pastors and he said, I believe the Lord has given me a clear word that there is a harvest coming and we have to prepare for harvest. And one of the ways that we need to prepare for harvest is we need to release all of the campuses to become the churches that they really have 
already become naturally and let them stand on their own so that we don't cap their capacity and we release them into their context so that where they are, they can be who they are. Because it's not a one-size-fits-all, and that's been some of the struggle of being a multi-site campus where they're giving us promotions and whatnot from San Antonio, and we're like, we don't live in San Antonio. We're in Fredericksburg, and so we've had that tension along the way. And so Max also made the comment, and two, we don't need to be showing videos of me or Randy preaching anymore. You all, each of you ministers, pastors, are capable of teaching and preaching the Word of God, and we don't want to hold you back. And I want you to know, and I want to encourage you in that the leadership that has precipitated this move is leadership that I highly, highly respect. And so we're going to do a thing today. It's a little bit different because you need to know the lay of the land. And this is the first time that I've had the green light to actually go fully public with this because some of you are going, I have no idea what he's talking about. So just ride with us through this and hopefully by the time we're done, you're going to have some clarity of who we are and where we're going. And so I'm going to have to move very quickly to get through this material. So I want you to stay with me. When I was a high school student, there was a thing that we did every Friday where Steve McMeans, the youth minister at First Baptist Church, would host a meal that you could go and pay $1 and get the best meal you're going to have all week. These precious ladies would show up, and they'd cook a ton of food, and all the students, or a lot of the students from my high school would go, and we would gorge on amazing food. There was one caveat. We had to listen to a gospel presentation. It was kind of like one of those missions in Los Angeles. You can come eat, but you got to listen to the gospel. So we were just high school students, same principle. And I remember Steve would always get up with a chalkboard. Anybody remember chalkboards? Yeah, they actually used to exist. We called them blackboards, you know, and so amazing. They, they, they would do something called a chalk talk, and it was amazing. And I would sit there while a lot of the students wouldn't pay attention, even though I was not a follower of Jesus. I was unchurched. But every time he spoke, he did something that worked for me, and that is he drew something. I was like, okay, I'm interested now. This is a visual. And so I want to go to the next slide. I want to give you an idea of what he drew because it's going to lead into where we're going. And it was this. It was this simple illustration. It wasn't quite as nice as this one, but it, it was because it was on a chalkboard. But it was the same principle where on one side, he, and he would tell us the gospel. He says, we've been separated. Man has been separated from God by sin, and there's a chasm between us. And somehow, some way, we have got to get back into relationship and connection with God. And he said, there's only one way that that happens. And he said, it's through Jesus Christ. And he drew it because originally the, the cross wasn't up there. And so he drew this cross and the cross became the bridge, which gave us a path and a way to get to God. And so that translated into my mind is that Jesus is the bridge. And that made sense to me. And for the first time in my life, I had heard the gospel spoken, but it was the first time I had seen it illustrated. The ball dropped, and it made sense. And in that moment, in that moment, I was like, I want this. This makes sense. And so that leads us to where we're going. And I want to share some scripture with you. In John chapter 14, Jesus was with his disciples, and they were under tremendous pressure. They'd been driven out of places. They had been seeing miracles, but then there was the enemy would come against the miracles, a religious 
order that was there. The Pharisees were fighting them right and left, and, and they were also taking in a ton of information. Can you say TMI? Jesus was downloading to them all these principles of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the, key, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of grace, and they were hearing it all in real time and watching it lived out by watching miracles and then getting driven out of town, and they were just in complete overload. Jesus comes to them in John 14. He sits with his disciples and says this, let not your hearts be troubled. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus is saying, there's something coming that's better than this. This is not all there is. I've actually prepared a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Again, that's our hope. Our hope is anchored in this, that we will be with him. And then look what he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. How many of you can relate to Thomas? Thomas is one of my favorite, highly underrated disciples. He gets a really bad rap. Well, he was the doubting one. Well, they were all the doubting one, trust me. But he's the one that had the courage to actually speak up. We should give him credit for that. He at least spoke up. And here we see Thomas again. And can you just see them sitting around? Thomas is like, I got a question. He's that guy or that person in the room that always has a question. So Jesus is rolling. I mean, he's on a roll. He's talking this poetic language about the Father and and and. Thomas is like, excuse me, I don't get it. It's honest. This is what he's saying. And look what it says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Because Jesus is like, you know where I'm going? He said, no, no, we don't actually. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? That sounds really poetic. Oh, Thomas was caught up in a spiritual moment. No, Thomas was being, he was a human being being human. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. And in that moment, he asked a pointed question. I don't even know he knew what he was asking, but look at the answer. Jesus said to him, so when you hear this, know that Jesus was actually informing somebody who was very confused in the moment. A lot of times we lift scripture out. That's called eisegeting. We eisegete texts. And remember here, context is king. But we eisegete passages out of their context. And what happens, it looks good on a wall hanging or a meme, but at the end of the day, we miss the bigger framework and the context which gives life to what it is. In this moment, Jesus is answering an honest question from someone who needed clarity. How many of us need clarity? Right, that is what today is all about. So Jesus said to him, and look what Jesus tells him. He says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus lays it out. I am the way. I am the way. But he didn't stop there. He also says, I'm the truth. You need to know truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. The essence of truth is not a thing, an answer, a solution. It's a person. When you know truth, oh, that's true freedom, the scripture tells us in John chapter 8. I am the way and the truth. And guess what? A life. <laughs> Bill Lovelace is sitting there very happy right now. 
Hi, Bill and Paige. Great to have you both with us today because he's taught, and I've taken that curriculum as well, and we've taught that here, the difference between a life and the life. Jesus did not say, I'm a way, a truth, and a life. He says, I am the life. The life. I am your life. And right now, he lays it out for Thomas. And then look what he says. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the bridge. He's the bridge. The last verse there in that passage, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He says basically this. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Now, in any other context, that would have been blasphemy. And would have been grounds for stoning or crucifixion, which we see later happens. But in that context, he's letting them know, if you see me, you see the Father. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way. He is the bridge. Part of this journey of becoming an independent church is that each of the churches have been required. Now, let me just clarify. Have been required. Can I just say that? Did you get that? We have been required to rename each of our campuses. Now, I challenged Steve Green to an arm wrestling match. I think I could take him. That if, if I win, we get to retain the name Oak Hills Church. I like the name. It's, we have a good reputation in our community. I said, I would like to keep the name, and I will arm wrestle you for it. I literally said that out loud in a meeting. <laughs> and he laughed and said, no, you would win the arm wrestling match, but you still can't have the name. And so let me give you a little background on that, because you need to know why we have to change the name. Because some people don't like that. In fact, most of us don't like change, period. Right? Because that involves disruption. So we struggle with change. But here's the thing. There's a church called The Village up in Flower Mound, Texas, Matt Chandler. I used to live right down the street from there in Lantana. Massive mega church, multi-site, got campuses all over the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And they retained their names initially. We found out later they realized that was a mistake, and they're requiring those churches now to rename their, their churches. What happened was a situation arose where one church that had become an independent church and still had the same name, the church in Denton, the Denton campus, someone on the staff made a derogatory statement about a police chief. Well, Pastor Matt and the police chief are friends. So the police chief rings Matt up and says, hey, bro, um, man, why are y'all talking bad about us? thought we were friends, you know? And Matt goes, I, we didn't say anything about you. He goes, no, we support you. He goes, well, so-and-so, and he found out, and they realized that was a campus pastor from another campus that had been independent, but yet still carried their name. And they realized they had a quandary. And that wasn't the only thing. That was just one of the things they cited to us when we met with their team. And so our guys came back and said, look, and CBC, by the way, uh, Community Bible Church in uh, San Antonio has gone through the same process as well, where they released their campuses to become independent churches, and they've had a similar scenario where they've had to go back up and say, you can't keep the name. So they're going through a lot of that right now, and fortunately, we caught that before we stepped out. And so now we're going to go ahead and do it. So I want to share with you the name of the church. And I will say we've labored over this. There's been prayer over this. There's been conversations. Our campus, what we call our campus governance team, which is basically our elders and our pastoral staff, have talked this through. And we all came out with a thumbs up. And here's what we're going to be. So you can go ahead and put that up. Jesus is the bridge, and we will be Bridge Church. 
Fredericksburg, September 1st of this year. So I'm going to answer some questions. We're going to call this a fact, frequently asked questions moment. So I'm going to try to head off a few things at the past. Now, here's the thing. First of all, well, let me just go through that because I think that will help you. But I want to show you the next picture. Look at this picture here. The Golden Gate Bridge built in the 1930s at that time was one of the wonders of the world, the most photographed uh, bridge in history. And also at that time was the largest single cable bridge to span a space that had ever been made at, at the time. There's been others since then. But if you'll notice up on top of the bridge, by the way, we don't have anything that looks like that in Fredericksburg, so don't get excited. So there's a cable, you see these cables that go across the top, and that actually is what that bridge is held up by cables. It is a cable bridge. Now, interesting thing about a cable bridge is that it's not made up of one cable. There's no way you could have a cable that size. It's actually made up of thousands of cables that have been bunched together, and they're able to support weight. And one of the things we've talked about in our Wednesday night group particularly is casting cables. One of the things that we do as people is that we build relationships wherever we go because we live on mission for God. Amen? We're out there living on mission. That means whether you're at HEB, Walmart, wherever you go, wherever you frequent, wherever you live, wherever you work, or wherever you play, you are constantly, every time you contact and connect with somebody, you're actually casting a cable over to them. And you're bridging a gap relationally. There are people now at HEB that I hug and I don't know them outside of being cashiers at HEB, but we've got to know each other because how many you know we're in and out of HEB all the time, right? I know you are because I see you all there. So <laughs> all four, yeah. So, so here's the deal. It's high everybody. That's why I call it high everybody, HEB. So get it? So we build these. Every time we talk, we're casting a cable. And what we're doing is we're building bridges of life and hope to people. That's what living on mission is all about. And the more cables you cast, eventually it will support weight. And eventually it supports a relationship, which eventually leads to the opportunity to present why you are who you are the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're casting cables. So I just wanted to show you that amazing picture. So Bridge Church, Fredericksburg. So let's start with the facts. Number one, you ready? Here it is. Whose idea was this anyway? So hopefully I'm going to ask some questions because these are questions that have actually popped up in real time. So hopefully I answer some that'll help you. First of all, it was not Jimmy's idea. I did not sign up for this job. I came here as a campus minister, here to administrate, organize the campus, facilitate and host Max and Randy as they preached on a screen. Some of you have been here lately, don't realize all of our sermons used to be video. And so I was here to host the service and bring organization to the campus. That's how I was brought here. I said yes to that. What you also don't know is I was also given within three days a job to be on staff at a church in Austin which I could have gone to, but I felt called here. It would have been a different role there. And so interesting enough is the Lord led me here, which is really odd because I've never not been a senior pastor in the last 14 years. So it was really an odd thing that God brought me here until Max had that conversation with me and I went, this is that. Here's why, now I know why I'm here. Because I've always been a senior pastor, at least in the last 14 years. So whose idea was this anyway? Not Jimmy's. Guess what? It wasn't Max's either, although it came through Max. And Max would tell you the same thing. We believe it was the Holy Spirit of God that was directing this. Now that doesn't mean that what the Holy Spirit calls you to is going to be easy. Can I just get an amen 
Or is anyone not walking with Jesus here? Come on. His, his burden is easy, his yoke is light, but everything else weighs a ton. Come on, somebody. So some of the things we have to navigate and walk through can be heavy and burdensome. So the idea was not ours, it was his, and we are walking out the commission and the mandate of God on our lives in this. Number two, what is this harvest vision you keep bringing up? It's very simple. Part of that same conversation that Max sat down with all of us and said, I believe there's coming an end time harvest, not just end time in the end days, but even here within our lifetime, a harvest of souls that are going to come to Christ. There's going to be a sweeping, awakening, and revival. Some of you get nervous when I preach or pray for revival, for spiritual awakening, for an outpouring of God. I'm simply echoing my friend, coach and mentor who believes he heard a word directly from God that there's a harvest coming. And part of the preparation for harvest, by the way, you don't get ready for harvest when harvest is on you. You have to be out in the field getting ready. There's a lot of preparation before you bring that cotton or hay in. And so what we've been doing and what this is all about is preparing for what we believe is coming. And that is a harvest of lives and souls. What we saw right there, that's just the, that's not the dam breaking yet. That's the trickle. But it's coming. Amen? Who will believe me with that? Who will stand with us on that and believe for it? And that means and precipitates we have to prepare for it. We have to get equipped. So that's the harvest visions based on Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That not only will there be the opportunity to go out and be witnesses for him. And what does a witness do? Answer the questions. That's what a witness does. But not only will we have an opportunity to do it, but we will be empowered to do it. And when we do it, there will be fruit. Amen? So let's keep moving through this. I've got the slide, and then keep going. Why can't we keep our name? I already checked that one off, so let's keep going. Will we still be a part of Oak Hills? Yes and no. The yes part is that family does what family does, and here's what family does. Family shows up. Family relates and connects. I won't, like some of our own children, drive over to Crown Ridge and say, we need some money now since, you know, we've moved off and we're doing our own thing, but I'm calling home, I'm phoning home, send money. It's not that. It's we show up and participate, and depending on what they're doing over there, if it fits what God's doing over here, we participate in together. We do it together. Or it could be that we go on mission trips together. It may be that they're going on a mission trip that we're not sponsoring because we're going to be into, I know where we're going, somewhere around Northern Ireland area. And so we're already beginning to dreamscape that a little bit and visioneer that a little bit and what that's going to look like. But if, just say, Crown Ridge has got a, a team going out to Belize or, or, or various places or Brazil or whatever, you can, we can still participate in that. We can get on that bandwagon and go. So there's going to be benefits because we're still family. When my daughter went off to college, she didn't cease being a Pruitt. Our relationship shifted a little bit. It changed the way we related to how we saw each other, how often we saw each other, but it didn't change her DNA. And you need to understand something. We're 10 years old as a campus now becoming a church. Our DNA doesn't change because our name changes. Some of you ladies, when you got married and you took your husband's name, your DNA didn't change. But your relationship with your parents did and your family. And that is normal and that is natural and that is part of the growth process. It's part of the journey. Amen? So will we still be a part of Oak Hills? Absolutely. We're going to be a family of churches who shows up 
and gets together and relates. And we're continuing, we're helping each other right now, even through this transition, as us and Journey Fellowship are the two that are going in September. Alamo Ranch will be going in April. And by the way, Alamo Ranch has to find a name because they're Oak Hills, Alamo Ranch. Journey gets to keep theirs because they already had a unique name. So they're having to get a name as well. So moving right along, a couple more. Will we ever see Max preach again? Put yourself in my shoes for 30 seconds. How would you like to follow Max Lucado? See what I mean? You feeling that at all? <laughs> I feel it every Sunday, trust me. Um, here's the deal, what I love about Max, not only is my coach and my mentor, he's my friend, and we asked Max. So Max, after, after we uh, you know, take the step and we all do our thing and you're in semi-retirement, will you come back to Fredericksburg and preach? He said, all you have to do is call. So Max will be back. He'll be preaching about 20 times a year at Crown Ridge because he will do a fall series, which always precipitates a book. He's done that rhythm for many years. And so he'll always have a fall series. And then he'll do a smattering of other things. But mostly it's going to be Travis uh, Eads there leading that campus who will be preaching at that campus. As all of the campus ministers become campus pastors, we'll all be preaching in our own campuses, in our own context. So even Max will be taking a step back other than his main series. What will change after September 1st? Well, let me tell you the biggest change you're going to see. It's the signage around the building. It's interesting how the mentality is, is, oh my gosh, we're about to jump off a cliff. We're jumping out of a spaceship. Have you ever seen those guys that wear those bird suits? They're like the skydiving type suits with wings and flaps, and they jump off cliffs and camera, GoPro cameras follow them through. That's not us. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. Here is, um, how many days are in August? Somebody help me. I never get that right. All right, 31 days in August. All right, here, 29, 30, 31, September 1st, September 2nd. This is what happens. For some reason, some have thought, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. This is a chicken little moment. It's not. Our DNA is what it is. We have a plan. We're working the plan. We have a strategy. We're working the strategy. And guess what changes on September 1st? The name on the sign. We continue to work our plan. We continue to work our strategy. Somehow people have thought they're going to come in here and the worship center will be twisted backwards and we'll flip the bill. No. We are working the plan. So we'll keep working the plan. What will we keep doing? I call it sobs, same old boring strokes. That means that's how you win a tennis match. You do it by the fundamentals and doing the same thing over and over. They'll do the right thing every, every day for a long period of time. Long obedience in one direction. So I know that was deep, wasn't it? What well, will change? Well, one thing will change is that finally Austin will be on the mission field. Praise God. That's exciting. He'll be there, we'll be celebrating, and we'll be planning mission trip out that way. So here's another one. Why are we just now talking about this? Because that came up. It's like, I don't know anything. I feel like the sky's falling, but I don't know what's happening. Here's what's happening, is that a lot of things we didn't know because there is no book on how to do this. I don't know that anyone's ever untangled the bird nest that we've untangled at Oak Hills, trying to get all of our campuses parsed out, all of our assets. You, you can't even imagine. It's like starting a business from the ground up with 450 people already coming. 
What we do doesn't stop in addition to what we have to pick up. And so that has been the complicated piece of this. Fortunately, we've, or unfortunately, we've not been able to talk a lot because we didn't know a lot at the time because we can't talk about what we don't know about because we were working through all these pieces. Now, finally, we're released to say, here it is. Here's what we're doing. Here's our brand. Here's our logo. Here's what's happening. And so I'm excited. I'm actually a little out front on everybody because I tend to do that. And I've been leaking stuff out to anybody who would come ask me an honest question. I'd give them a direct answer. A lot of you already knew the name Bridge because I just talked to you about it. So there's nothing hidden. It's like, but I wasn't free to to go online and just get all this out. So now here we are, and I'm excited that we can talk. Let's just talk. And then here's the biggie. Biggie, the next one. Is it okay to ask specific questions about finances, government, and accountability? The answer on that is absolutely yes. It's always been okay. It will always be okay. Full disclosure. You need to know that. I hate that I even have to say it out loud, but you need to know that. On the short version, what will change on September 1st is that now we will be responsible. All finances will stay in-house. And guess what? Me or Annette are not touching the money just so you can get that out. We're not doing that. We have hired an outside payroll company. A lot of churches are doing this now where they're contracting those services out. So A, we have added layers of accountability and we don't have to touch anything. So I want you to know that because you need to know that. Even if you weren't asking it, it was probably back there somewhere. So just know, high, high degree of accountability. We've also pulled together what we call the FAT. That's called a financial advisory team here locally. We have two members already said, stepped forward said yes, or people have extensive experience in this. We'll be sitting down with our budget and they're going to help us navigate and walk through trends and seeing what's coming and be wise, be wise, be wise stewards. So that's already coming together. And just to help you, there's an accountability board that I've set up of people who know me better than probably anybody here will ever know me. And they know how to ask me the hard questions. And it's a board that our board will be able to relate to and connect to. And trust me, they're already asking the hard questions. And so we are stacking layers of accountability because we want you to feel good about what we're doing and where we're going. Because I want you to know we're going somewhere. We are going to make a difference. Amen? So land in the plane. Here's the vision. A spirit-empowered harvest of lives changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it. We want to see... Acts 1-8 lived out in our time. The next piece, mission. We are, and what we did, here's another thing. I said, can we keep our mission statement because I like it? And they said, no, you can't. I said, well, then I'm going to plagiarize what we've got. So I basically did that. There's a little bit of plagiarism here, but it's because I like it. It works. And, And I got the green light. Didn't have to arm wrestle anybody for this. We are the body of Christ called to be Jesus. Does that sound familiar? It's the first part of it. Building bridges of life and hope where we live, work, and play. This is us. This is us. It's not any different than what we're doing. It just, it's sort of stating the obvious. This is what we do. And then last thing, 
What's our strategy? Now, this is more in-house where we don't sit and talk about this to everybody, but this is more for our own leadership team, but it's, it's what keeps us guided. It's the thing that keeps us on track. We've been talking about the four Ds for quite a while now, and uh, just so you know, Russ came up with the last one. So discover, yes, I'm throwing him under the bus. So here it is, four Ds, discover, develop, deploy, and disrupt. Discover means we want you, our passion for you, is for you to discover who and whose you are. You need to know who you are in Christ. Your identity needs to be so secure that no devil in hell or no person on this earth can ever talk you out of who you are and whose you are. That is first and foremost. Secondly, develop. That's a discipleship piece. Jesus' last order before vacating the planet was this, go therefore and make disciples. Go make disciples. And then what? Deploy. That's the go piece. That we're to go and we're to release you. Our goal is to release you every week out into where you live, work, and play so you can cast cables to people that will support weight eventually. And then the last piece of that, disrupt. All that is is the divine nature of Jesus. None of us here, unless you're strange, ever changed because you just decided to change. More than likely, change came because of disruption. And the nature of Jesus is to divinely disrupt our lives. I'm so grateful he disrupted mine when I was 18 years of age. He showed up and he disrupted me. And here's what is so amazing about this. Jesus loves you so much that he will meet you where you are, but he won't leave you that way. That's the divine disruption, and that is what this is. This isn't about being intentionally rebellious or caustic or trying to mess with people. This is literally the mentality that if we are showing up to be Jesus, then disruption will occur, and that disruption will lead to life. It will lead to hope, and it will lead to transformation. Amen? So there it is. In a nutshell, we are going to have next Sunday night, not this Sunday night, next Sunday night, we are going to have a little meeting that we call Leadership Summit Meeting, and everybody's invited because we see everybody as leaders here. And everyone's invited, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the government model of it. For those of you that really are interested in that kind of thing, come on. And it'll, it'll be interesting because it'll be interesting to see how we're taking what we've learned from Oak Hills and how we're now morphing it into something that will work for us on a local level. So if you're interested in that, and we'll give some reports also from various ministry areas. We'll uh, talk about our staff realignment and some things that have happened. By the way, Kim Fisher has gone on, and we need to pray for Kim because she's been our receptionist for now over two years. She's been a friend of ours for 20-plus years, and we need to pray for her because she's looking for full-time employment where she can get you know the benefits, everything she needs. So be praying for Kim and lifting her up as, as she continues. Encourage her when you see her, uh, and she'll be back here. But but we're, we're praying for her and lifting her up, but we're doing some staff realignment pieces as we get ready for transition transition and have the team ready to go. So there it is in a nutshell. Why don't we all stand together? I hope if you came here, you're not disappointed thinking, well, I wanted the word preached. But I have to tell you something. We're a family and we're a family that's about to turn a corner. And I felt like it was time to have this conversation, have this talk. So here's the thing. If you have any questions whatsoever, this is how deep it is. Just ask. Come talk to me. You don't have to set up a meeting. I like, I like CBIs, casual but intentional. Just come talk to me. 
and we can talk and we can say, hey, this is what this is or this is that or let me clarify. If you need clarity of any time, do come next Sunday night and we'll announce that again but, and we'll announce it next Sunday. But if you do, if you have any questions, never hesitate to ask. Same with Russ, same with our team here on the ground. Just ask, all right? We love you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, there are people here who are hurting and I don't want to close this off today without an opportunity for them to receive ministry, hope, and love, and prayer. So, Father, for anyone here who needs prayer, who needs hope today, Father, we're not just going to end this, this unusual time today without offering that opportunity. So, still in an attitude of prayer, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. They're going to be here at the end as we close. If you need prayer for anything, they are here for you. So, Father, thank you for the journey that we're on as Oak Hills Church Fredericksburg now becoming Bridge Church Fredericksburg, the bridge. And as we move forward, Lord, may we cast cables everywhere we go and connect with people in our community where we live, where we work, and where we play. Cables that will eventually support the weight of a relationship that supports the weight of the gospel. That's our hearts, our passion. So, Lord... We're following you, not our will be done, but yours. And thank you for leading us and guiding us along this path. We honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.